Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1309, air date September 4th, 2023. Welcome, Climate Viewers. This is Jim Lee from Climate Viewer News at climateviewer.com. And I am pleased to have with me Dr. Shiva Ayudarai, MIT PhD, the inventor of email, is a scientist, inventor, entrepreneur, a Fulbright scholar who holds four degrees from MIT, including his PhD in biological engineering. He started seven successful high-tech co companies, providing thousands of jobs in Massachusetts. His life has been about solving very tough problems by identifying the root cause, bringing together people to innovate real solutions. Now he wants to serve America beyond the left and right uh, to deliver solutions we need and deserve. Most importantly, Dr. Shiva is one of us, not another lawyer or lobbyist or politician. And I am very excited to, um, to talk to him today about one of the biggest concerns that I know my audience has, and that would be geoengineering and weather modification. Um, pleased to have you, Dr. Shiva. Great, Jim. How are you? And I think, Jim, when we spoke earlier, we want to talk about um, geoengineering. Uh, and I think one of the fallouts of that is pollution. And Correct. Causes and what that does to human health. Um, I Many years ago, almost a decade ago now, I did a video nearly a decade ago on showing, you know, when the Paris Accords was being put in place, that it had, frankly, no benefit because it actually incentivized people to pollute. And, yeah. we don't, and, and, you know, quote unquote, CO2 is not a, you know, uh, or CO2, quote unquote, is not a pollutant, by the way, but they deemed it as a pollutant, you know. But anyway, I, I think this it, should be an interesting it, conversation. It's, it's interesting that you you start out that way, because in 2015, I went to um, the the Environmental Protection Agency had a hearing in 2015 because of um President Obama lobbying on behalf of the Paris Accords, trying to use the Clean Air Act to regulate the airline industry, under you know, basically saying that greenhouse gas emissions from planes were endangering human health. Now, clearly, the Clean Air Act was designed specifically for cancer-causing chemicals, you know, forever chemicals, things like that. Um, Things that are going to affect human health directly, not the, you know, I said that they were violating the spirit of the law and the Clean Air Act clearly was about breathing clean air. Um, what would be your response to, you know, the the climate agenda, um, the climate cultist, in my personal opinion, using laws that were clearly intended for protecting human health? under the you know under the guise of the cop 21 we're all going to burn up hey let's use that kind of um lawfare to regulate greenhouse gas emissions well jim um you know i've been very clear on this as i mentioned all the way back in 2014 2015 as a scientist as an engineer more specific scientists can bullshit engineers can't um there's a big difference <laughs> between science and engineering so i just want to take a step back and um, just talk about that briefly and then, then go into this is that the way science develops is you 
come up with a hypothesis of something, right? Yes. And then you do a bunch of experiments. That's called um, the scientific method. If your experiments match your hypothesis, that becomes what's known as a scientific law for a period of time, right? Um, and then you try to figure out why that law exists, and that becomes what's called capital T theory, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, Newton sir. discovered the law of gravity. Einstein tried to explain it, and that became known as a theory of relativity. So a lot of people don't understand there's a difference between a law and the theoretical framework. The theoretical framework tries to understand why something works. I see where you're going. The law okay. gives you an observation of why it works, right? Right. Um, and then an engineer comes in, and an engineer looks at these laws, and then they try to practically use those laws to create something uh, for others, right? That's called engineering. So Newton may have figured out the laws of gravity. Einstein attempted to describe why it worked. An engineer like, you know, Den Hartog, who was a professor at MIT, um, or Stephen Crandall, um, who did the dynamics for the space shuttle, or Den Hartog helped uh, define the field of structures, um, you know, develop the engineering science to build bridges, let's say, or skyscrapers, right? Using yes, those. So that's sort of a quick summary of how um, you go from science to engineering. But engineers have to deal with the reality of these laws and trying to make them work, right? Um, scientists sort of just can walk away. So, you know, I've, I have a bunch of degrees from MIT in engineering, electrical, mechanical, you know, design and biological. So I've always had to deal with reality. Now, what's unfortunate is none of the presidential candidates that are running, none of them have ever had to deal with reality. These guys aren't engineers. They've never had to make anything, build anything. Um, in, in, in all the way back for a long, long time, right? Uh, Washington was an engineer. He was a surveyor. Franklin was an engineer. Jefferson was an engineer, right? These guys had to build stuff. But most well, they, of they also people, weren't full-time employees of the government. Exactly. They, they, they traveled to Washington and they came back home because right. they had real jobs to do. And, and if you contrast it right now, um, you have a, a bunch of people who frankly are from the top down. They're the swarm. Uh, Booby F.N. Kennedy doesn't know anything about any of this. He was promoting climate change. He wants carbon tax. In the middle of 2020, he was promoting lockdowns. And he was justifying it in two ways. It will stop, stop the spread of COVID. You know, I'm talking about Booby F.N. Kennedy. That's my name. I refer to Robert. Robert F. Doofus Jr. Jr. And I, I, I like to use that name because these people are just brand, you know, advertising people who, you know, uses his father's name and adds a JR to it to have some credibility. But, you know, he was I, I actually, he came to my hometown and we, we went there with the news team just simply to ask him, you know, because he is very much on the climate train. Um, do you support geoengineering or not? Just that, to answer that question alone. And I had a, a long talk with Dennis Kucinich because he previously passed the Space Preservation Act, which was going to ban weapons in space. Um, he tried to get that passed. Of course, nobody would have that because the military industrial complex loves weapons in space. Um, but anyway, he shuffled me to the Including front. Including Israel, who he's a big supporter of. Is in his oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and they, they all love their weapons in space. Uh, China right. has them, Russia has them, and of course we have them. Um, 
so anyway, he never could get an answer out of him because he basically burned the time out. Um, and then he moved on, but that's, that's one of the, the, you know, obviously being an engineer, understanding that, you know, there is a problem. The problem is that they've generated a lot of propaganda and fear around the idea of runaway global warming. And I don't know if you've ever heard this term, the clathrate gun hypothesis. Um, the idea being that they drilled for ice cores in the poles, and then they went back to the time of dinosaurs. And during that time, they see a bunch of CO2 here. And then that's followed by a, a, a market increase in methane. So the scientists theorize, well, dinosaur farts caused methane clathrates to vent into the sky. Now, methane clathrates are frozen methane um, that are either under the Arctic shelf or under the ocean. So because global warming caused by dinosaur farts caused methane to erupt into the sky, this was what was called runaway global warming. And that's what the basis for the, the current fear porn that we hear out there is, is that um, human activity, CO2, is going to drive methane to vent, and then suddenly we're all going to die in short order. I would say that, you know, wasn't there some, some talk about, you know, uh, meteors involved in, you know, the possible end? Nobody really knows for certain what ended the dinosaurs, or would you say that there's a possibility that dinosaur farts, they killed themselves from their own emissions? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about any of that, but let me, you know, all this, let, let me share with you a little bit of science, okay, that'll help. Okay. Uh, put this in context. Um, look, when you just step back and you look at from an engineering phenomenon, um, all of the, if you're going to implement an intervention, if you're going to do something to your physical body, let's say your house has some, uh, you think something's going to happen to your house, you do some preventative measures, right? Uh, you know, you're always thinking, okay, if I do this intervention, do I get a benefit out of this, right? Right. If I um, eat more green vegetables, what's the benefit? If I eat uh, more protein, what's the benefit, right? Before you do any intervention, you want to find out, is there a benefit in anything, right? I'm going to drive my car. Should I get regular maintenance? You know, how often should I get uh, my teeth cleaned, right? Every one of these things are interventions. And typically in the back of your mind, you're making some decision on what is the cost benefit of that, right? You're going to put in this much, what's the benefit? There's absolutely zero benefit to this bullshit called climate change science and the Paris Accords. Why mm -hmm. do I say that? Well, let's just go back to again. You know, there's a very nice book here, which is the uh, book that you written by one of the greatest engineers in the world, you know, Nice, right? Control Systems Engineering, okay? So Control Systems Engineering is the foundations of systems engineering. By the way, we'll do a little video. We teach the principles of that in our course called Truth, Freedom, and Health, Foundations of Systems, which we've made accessible to everyone on the planet. And you don't have to spend a ton of money going to MIT. But what you learn from system science is the following. Every intelligent system in the universe has a feedback process. It knows how to maintain homeostasis. Your body right now is about 98 you know, degrees Fahrenheit, plus or minus a degree, right? And it knows beautifully how to maintain that temperature. How? It's got 
you have a part of your body called the hypothalamus, which is a controller, which senses conditions and it knows how to maintain your body at that temperature, all right? So the fundamental question is every intelligent system in the universe has the ability to do feedback processes and maintain homeostasis. So the question is, is the earth or the universe, because it's a natural system, is it also an intelligent system? Does it know how to modulate itself to maintain the surface temperature, let's say 15 degrees Celsius? This is a fundamental question. Or can interventions or exogenous things that happen to it or endogenous things throw it off wacko? You go out, you know, and it gets very hot. Your body doesn't go up to 120 degrees, right? Right. You start sweating. Right. Your body knows how to open its pores and you know how to modulate that. So all inte intelligent systems in the universe know how to maintain homeostasis. All right. So if that's clear, the question is, um, is nature an intelligent system? Sure, appears to be because it has seasons, right? We know how to maintain things. The sun you know, rises, sun sets, right? There's a rhythm here. Um, so if we just go back to very simple principles, Jim, very, very simple principles, and we just take it from a simple engineering approach, you'll find out the following, okay? And everything I'm going to share with you right now, everyone, whether you're pro-climate change or you believe that nonsense or you don't believe it, everyone agrees with these things I'm going to share with you. There's no dispute on this. The sun is around 6,000 degrees Kelvin, okay? The sun puts out a lot of radiation, energy. That energy is measured in watts, W-A-T-T-S, okay? That energy hits the earth. Okay. And how much energy hits the earth? About 340 watts per meter. So if you take a square meter of the earth's, you know, uh, surface, about 340 hits that. Mm -hmm. If that much energy is hitting us, Jim, what has to happen? The earth we has got to dissipate. We have to lose that. That's the laws of entropy, correct? Yeah. It's the laws of, um, you know, energy cannot be, you know, created or destroyed. It's, it's the laws of thermodynamics. Because if all of that radiation hit the earth and, and built up over time, then we would eventually boil. We, we would burn up. Okay. And there's some formulation that says around three watts. If three watts, roughly three watts, is equivalent to about one degree in temperature change, centigrade. Okay. So if you take 340 watts per meter and all of that is coming from the sun. And let's say we didn't dissipate any of it, divide the 340 roughly by three, you can say about 100, the Earth's temperature would go up by 100 degrees, but it doesn't, right? We're getting hit with the sun and it's not like we're being fried to death, right? Why is that? The reason is there's something called convection and dissipation. So that energy comes to us from the sun and we happen to do what's called energy balance. So how does that happen? Out of the 340 watts per meter that comes from the sun, to the earth, 140 watts per meter bounces back right off the atmosphere. Okay. So how That's much albedo, correct? Huh? That's the albedo, correct? Yes, exactly. And now you have 200 watts per meter that has to comes in through the atmosphere into the earth's surface. All right. So now if you look at the atmosphere, the atmosphere is con composed of all different types of water vapor, clouds, gases, right? And that's a fluid, actually. It's a big fluid mixture. 
the atmosphere itself. The oceans are composed of water, seawater. That's another fluid. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that other 200 watts per meter that comes in through a very interesting process called convection, which is the interaction of the turbulent oceans, water, with the atmosphere combined together and the other 200 watts per meter is dissipated back out. So that's how we maintain a surface temperature of around 15 degrees centigrade, okay? And everything I've said, no one disagrees with. Everyone on both sides agrees with. There's no disagreement. In fact, everyone agrees that when all that energy comes in, some of it could get trapped in the earth and heat up the earth um, under certain conditions, okay? So there, there and, are, and that's, that's what I'd like to go to next is that, so this is the big, you know, the C word that nobody wants to talk about. Um, the chemtrails, as they're commonly referred to the, um, I like to refer to them as plane farts, um, because <clears throat> in searching Google scholar and doing this for over 15 years, I've heard them called everything under the sun from contrails to persistent contrails to aviation induced cloudiness to um contrail induced cirrus um but during 9-11 in the days following 9-11 um the langley research center uh basically published a paper that said that the diurnal temperature range widened greatly because of the lack of cirrus clouds so this was again followed up by Lee et al. 2009 as a, um, a study of the 2008 Iceland volcanoes and the grounding of all the airplanes during that time. What they came to the conclusion was that basically cirrus clouds created by jet aircraft, commercial aviation, were actually trapping heat at the ground. So, I, you know, as a layperson, it seemed very simple to me that there was no such thing as a greenhouse gas if you do not have a greenhouse. In order for you to create a closed system to trap that heat at the ground, you must have a greenhouse. And most greenhouses are made of glass or plastic. But in this case, when we're talking 1.5 million barrels of jet fuel per day, um, and I'd like to share this real quick with you. Uh, let me click this present button and see if you can see this real quick. Good entire screen in here. When we look at the actual chemicals that um, are available in jet fuel, these are these are from about 16 different studies total that have looked at freshly emitted particles that are coming out of the rear of the jet planes. Okay. So this is all involved directly in um, you know, what is currently geoengineering the sky. According to Chuck Long, um, he said that aviation is creating um, clear sky daylight brightening that we are already geoengineering because these chemicals in, in conjunction with carbon black dust, one million tons of carbon black dust nanoparticles per year are lofted into the stratosphere coated in 
sulfur dioxide and sulfuric acid. And all of these in marked in red are metals that end up in the stratosphere. So what I would say is we have the situation where if you talk about this, this at all, if you mention the plant, the dirty airline industry, if you mention the proposals from the Biden administration, um, from the European union to do solar radiation modification studies, they will all say at the same time, no, we're not geoengineering yet. The university you attended MIT, um, whenever they went to ban bunker fuel, which was creating ship tracks, they said, we're about to stop a massive experimental uh, program in cooling the earth because of the sulfur emissions from bunker fuel, heavy fuel oil. So MIT University was mad about that. Smithsonian Magazine, when covering Chuck Long, said, we are accidentally geoengineering using airplane contrails. What would you say to the people who, you know, who are so, so Jim, I think I think before we go there, I think it's important to explain this basic thing, because because I, I want to talk about clouds. OK, yes, sir. Here's, here's the bottom line. Right. And I, I, I want to layer in what you just said. If you look at the Earth interaction with with the sun as a system, the sun sends radiation here. Right. The radiation comes here. 100, 340 watts per meter, 140 bounces out. The other 200 watts per meter is also dissipated out through this very uh, complex interaction of two turbulent fluids, the ocean waters, which is a turbulent fluid, and the atmosphere. All right. Now, when these quote unquote climate change scientists, by the way, there's no field called climate science. It's all bullshit. <laughs> um, in fact, there's no, no, there's no field called climate science. I am aware of The actual field is fluid mechanics and radiative physics, okay? Um, fluid mechanics, you know, we study in theoretical mechanics, which I've studied for many, many years. Radiative physics is another very interesting area, but the physicists study that. There's no, there's no, there's no science called, you don't get a degree in climate change science. So, <laughs> um, and furthermore, so when all of this nonsense started occurring, a bunch of, people were funded to create these climate change models, mathematical models. And what they're doing is they're trying to predict how much heat gets stored in the earth using this phenomenon. I said, okay, 340 watts per meter is coming in, 140 bounces back out of the 200, how much gets stuck. Now, um, these gases, greenhouse, quote unquote, greenhouse gases, everyone acknowledges they can increase temperature. Everyone will tell you that. Okay, but in science, we're not interested in just lofty hand waving or engineering. The question is always how much, how much, okay? How much, right? Like if someone says, oh my God, you have a fever. Well, how much, how much is my fever gonna go up? Now, if it's around 98, 99, I'm fine. If it goes to 120 degrees, you're gonna die, okay? We care how much, right? If, right? That's when they rush you into the hospital, right? Yes, sir. So the issue is how much. So how did they figure out so there's all these predictions saying, oh my God, the temperature is gonna go up, the ice caps are gonna melt on the Arctic, right? How do they do this? They created mathematical models. And the mathematical models are modeling the, the, the ocean of, of the uh, earth, on the earth, interacting, which is a turbulent fluid, by the way. 
interacting with the atmosphere. Another turbulent fluid. Again, I'm giving you something that you don't hear in the mainstream media, um, but this is the actual physics. Everyone should be educated on this. Those two turbulent fluids, by the way, to model one turbulent fluid, no one's done it. You, it's called the Navier-Stokes equation you study in graduate school or in undergraduate school, okay, in engineering. The Navier-Stokes equation is a set of equations that you can use to understand the flow of fluids. If you turn on the water, water comes out, that's called laminar flow. We can model that. We have been unable to model the very complex motions of the ocean waters. Or if you heat a pot, you know, you make, you know, I just got some tea made. And you know, when the, when the vapor moves very complex, we don't know how to model that. You can win a $1 million prize. Any mathematician <laughs> can model that, a turbulent fluid. So they are claiming they model two turbulent fluids and using that model, their models predict that the Earth's temperature is going to go up by two to three degrees, okay? Because they're claiming, remember, th for each three watts per meter, one degree will get stored. They're claiming about nine to 12 watts is going to get stored. We're not going to be able to dissipate that out because of CO2, okay? That's where all of this comes from. Now, if you go look at the IPCC report, it's a big multi-thousand page report. One page of that report actually has the mathematical model. Okay. Really? <laughs> yes. Now, what's interesting is when Isaac Newton had his model of if you drop an apple, he can predict exactly how far it'll take, how long it'll take for that apple to fall, right? That's called a law. That's called evidence. Evidence is reproducible predictions. Write that down. Evidence is reproducible predictions. So when Isaac Newton developed the equations of motion, he has absolute evidence that if he drops an apple from this side, he knows exactly when it's going to fall, right? It the apple doesn't fall and just hang in the middle. You know, it's not like you drop the apple one time, it falls. Let's say the, the apple tree where the apple is 20 feet above the ground. When the apple drops, it's going to drop 20 feet, okay? It's not like one time it drops 20 feet, the other time the prediction, it, it's it's going to hover above the earth at 19 feet, 50 feet, right? You don't have, you have one answer. All right. Now I'm going to show you a diagram here. So if you go to the IPCC report, they use their mathematical models based on what I just shared with you, this background, and they have come up with a prediction of how much ice is going to melt on the Arctic. Okay. Now you would think, so if, if it's truly evidence, that means, and by the way, just to give you a background, there are 120 different models that they used, 120 right. different models. So if you have 120 different models, and if the each model should predict the same answer, right, then it would be evidence. Does that make sense? But Evidence but, is reproducible predictions. In, in, in the case of the, the, the atmosphere, I mean, we were talking billions of data points would need to be put into that computer model to even come close to accurately predicting what the weather would be like tomorrow, let yeah. alone what the climate so would let, be let, like. Let me show you. These are all, these are some of the models. Okay. What do you see here? So the <laughs> Y axis is the Y axis is over years. the years yeah. and the X axis is you see ice extent percent. 
So this model way at top, the purple one, is predicting um, about 90% of ice will melt, okay? And that's, yeah. Um, uh, this one's predicting about, you know, nothing, you know, 100% will melt, 90% will melt. These are predicting no ice is going to melt, okay? In fact, there's an answer for every possible situation. So... <laughs> What my point is, each line here represents each model. If the, the you're supposed to have what's called convergence, okay? So climate model projections of rate of Arctic ice loss. You notice that none of them converge. So that means all these models, like a Baskin-Robbins flavor, like you go to the ice cream store, are giving very different answers. And this would be equivalent... Um, this would be equivalent, Jim, to Isaac and Apple falling, and you have a hundred different predictions. That's not evidence. Evidence right. is reproducible predictions. So I just wanted to share that. And by the way, that's stuck all the way in like page five hundred or something, and no one bothers reading it. And and, and the uh, the observation data on that chart stops at two thousand nine, and what we know for fact now is that. The, the the ice uh the sea ice extent um, grew exponentially after the this um so despite any you can go ahead and discount most of those predictions that show that there would be a greater loss of ice because it actually grew exponentially even greenland's ice sheet is growing back currently so they're they're always wrong they uh, they, they always will be wrong because until we have you know light speed super you know well, computers that can well, and and sen even, enough sensor data to even, well, even input even, it look even the pro point is this each there should be all of these lines should convert at one, one point right but the fact that you have all these different models running and each are predicting different amounts of ice that are going to melt shows that they don't have any science behind this okay right and that's really the takeaway and everyone should really take a screenshot of this okay everyone should understand that they have no evidence. Evidence is reproducible predictions. Do you see any reproducible prediction? No, what you see is just like the analogy of an apple falling from the tree saying that when that apple falls, in some cases it'll hover in the air at different points. So this is not evidence. And the problem is no one teaches this in basic school anymore. What is the definition of evidence? Evidence is reproducible predictions. They don't have any reproducible predictions. They, they're getting, you know, 20, 30, 100 different answers. All right. So that's a key takeaway. So therefore, um, the science behind the so-called science, there is no science. Now, the biggest thing these models left out in this to answer your question, Jim, is that they left out. So when you're doing modeling, now you can, I mean, model very cool things. I do modeling all day long. You know, we model all sorts of complex biological function. And a model gets better by the more you include many variables. Right. Guess what they did not include in these models? The sun? No. Solar cycles? Nope. Tell me. Clouds. Aerosol cloud interaction remains the greatest unknown in climate yes, science. But they didn't, because a cloud, you know, is seeded with particles, right? Right. With nucleates. But the bottom takeaway for everyone understanding this why would you not include clouds now over the last seven years there's been some very good research done 
showing that the clouds in the atmosphere act like the iris of your eye. So if I shine a bright light at you right now, if you notice your eyes will close up. If it gets dark, your eyes get wide, right? It's called the iris effect. Mm -hmm. So these clouds, very specific kinds of clouds, the clouds are like the hypothalamus in your body, okay? When, if there's heat being trapped, the clouds know how to change. It's fascinating. The earth is an intelligent system. That's right. The clouds That's actually right. form different structures and they're able to either keep heat in or they're able to dissipate more heat out like the iris. In fact, a couple of billion, a billion years ago, the surface temperature of the sun or the sun was 30% less in temperature. 30% less would mean it wasn't 6,000 degrees Kelvin as I shared earlier, it was around 4,000 degrees. Now, if the sun is putting out less radiation, what would you think, you know, the earth would be? It would be an ice, right? Because there's less, but guess what? We have evidence knowing that there was flowing waters on the earth. It was pretty, it, it wasn't an ice pit because the clouds knew how to modulate even though the sun's radiation was down by 30%. It would just trap more heat in. It, yeah, so clouds are, so nature, the earth, is an intelligent system. The clouds are intelligence. They know how to form. So clouds have been left out of the entire equation. Now, I believe, and the reason I wanted it, I had to give this background, Jim, is that I believe they know this. They do. So I believe that I, 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 In fact, I do know that they know this because we've had multiple discussions. Um, I've been talking to Ken Caldera, David Keith. These are the two of the top geoengineers on the planet. And one of the very first things I posed to, um, to Ken Caldera was, if you have not been able to prove the scientific efficacy of cloud seeding since 1946, how do you intend to prove the efficacy of geoengineering in the next 60 years? Because if you cannot prove on a small scale that introducing particles of silver iodide in a very small area will produce X, then why should we believe that you can modulate the entire climate by blocking sunlight and that your computer models will be accurate? So they have this thing called the Geoengineering Model Intercomparison Project, which is very similar to that scatter plot that you just showed. They're all over the place. In fact, it they it's so bad that if they run the same model and they take it to a different computer, it comes up with completely result different results. They even talked about coming up a with a death per you know deaths per watts per square meter, um, you know, chart because it's that bad. Um, so, <clears throat> what I was just wanting to get to you about the clouds is this is one of the extreme examples of what you know they're currently talking about so i interviewed um dr rangasai Hathori. um he's from the aviation climate change research initiative um and if you you could bring that infographic Jim, up. Jim, just 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 wait one second before okay, we go sure. there i just want to make sure people because i know you have a lot of information sure but it's very the reason we're in this situation is a lot of people don't understand the fundamentals Right. Right. We have to understand that there's the fundamental is um, that the Earth puts out a certain amount of radiation. The 
the earth or the sun does and the earth system is a very intelligent system it knows how to take all that heat and dissipate it out this is very important to understand this very basic principles the models that they have created to describe that dissipation effect did not include clouds okay and very that, very that is that's 100% on point right but very few people discuss this it's not known that all the models the climate change models did not include clouds all right. When you add clouds, you have what's called the iris effect and the earth very intelligently maintains temperature. So getting back to that fundamental point on climate change, the issue is how much. OK, now in the late 1800s, we had, you know, since then, you know, when we had a mini ice age, we've been melting. OK, so there's going to be a little bit of increase, right? One to two degrees, which has been predicted because we were at the end of about 100 years ago, a mini ice age, all right? So this is just minor fluctuations, but the bottom line is the models, all the models did not include clouds. So therefore, if you know clouds are very powerful, they're intelligent at maintaining a, a, a wonderful surface temperature, homeostasis, like your hypothalamus does to your body, and you want to promote a narrative that the earth is heating up, you would do stuff to fuck up the clouds. That's okay? a fact. That is a so, fact. So that's why I wanted to go down this very methodically, right? Yes. Number one. No, I, I appreciate your, that's why I wanted to talk to a brilliant yeah, but, engineer but like really you. educate people. Number one, the earth is an intelligent system. Heat comes from the sun. The earth knows how to get rid of all of it and maintain this beautiful temperature like your body does. The models that they did to predict this process did not include clouds and just to again restate the models that they had cannot answer anything because they're predicting all different amounts of ice will melt on the arctic from zero percent to 100 percent, which means their models are invalid because they're not evidence evidences this is very basic stuff i want to repeat this everyone gets this so they did not include clouds so they know that the clouds know how to modulate temperature so now winding back from that jim if we want to associate a conspiracy here the logical conclusion would be why are you fucking around with the clouds because if you're doing that's that, an excellent point that means you want to it would be someone coming in and playing with your hypothalamus in your brain okay because if you did that your body would know how to maintain your temperature sometimes your temperature would go up sometimes it would come down maybe you purposely want to screw around someone's hypothalamus okay so if you know that clouds were not included and your deck of cards is going to fall apart, you actually use clouds, you manipulate clouds because now the clouds cannot function how they're supposed to do. Okay. In engineering, they're called the controller. So if the clouds are the controller, That's right. which can sense the temperature and adjust, then you go screw around with the brains of the earth's climate system, which is the clouds. Are, so, are you familiar with um, Jasper Kirkby? He did uh, what's called the Cloud Project, Cosmics Leaving Outdoor Droplets. And in that study, he, he had a cloud chamber. And in it, he introduced simply water vapor, a cloud seed from a coniferous plant, and GCR, galactic cosmic rays. That was all that was necessary to create a cloud. Uh -huh. Now, this flew in the face of all climate science, 
models up to this point, which assumed that pre-industrial times were less cloudy because there was an assumption that sulfuric acid played a role in increase in cloudiness. So what he actually came to the conclusion was that not only do rainforests and trees produce their own clouds, they produce their own rain, they self-regulate. This actually threw off every single um, climate model that had been produced to date because they assumed that sulfuric acid played a key role. So it just accentuates what you're, they, they, what you're they, saying they, here. They don't understand cloud formation at all. The, the key point here is, Jim, what you use the word self-regulation. Intelligent systems know how to self-regulate. So right. everyone listening needs to understand clouds are the way, they're the intelligence of the Earth's climate system. They know how to modulate if the Earth's surface temperature gets too hot. They know how to modulate the cloud structures to dissipate the heat. Alternatively, if the sun gets too cold, right, the clouds know how to retain heat, okay? So this is very important to understand. It's, it's like, you know, no matter what goes on, the clouds know how to manipulate it you know, to support us. So now, Jim, everything you want to share here, if you now go in to look at the, the, uh, I think you want me to share this, right? Yes. If sir. you're, so there's two ways. So if you screw up the clouds, which you may be doing from flights, right? The amount of particles, I think, I think Jim, some people may not know how clouds form. The example you gave, you, you had gamma rays, you had conifers, which is a nuclear, you need some, Clouds need a, uh, something to a nucleate onto. They need a seed. Yeah. Okay. So um, clouds need a seed. Okay. People need to understand that. No different. And from that seed, which is typically some partic particle, right? Um, and then the big and, and, and just for, for clarification, the dust, mold, bacteria, um, there are many different aerosols but that can form a cloud seed but most of them are natural some of them are man-made and especially given the the difference between airplane pollution and any other type of pollution is where it occurs that makes it so damaging so whether it's intentional government secret program or it's just pollution the fact that it occurs at forty-nine thousand feet is the problem because that's where you're introducing cloud seeds. There's only a certain amount of available water vapor for it to condense on. So the whole chemtrail versus contrail argument is a semantic one because to anyone who says they are simply contrails, you just have to ask them the question, condensing on what? And that's the part that's left out of the conversation. The it's the contrail conundrum that they they don't want to focus on the cloud seeds themselves. Yeah, but the bottom line is that clouds need a seed, right? There have been many particles throughout eons that clouds have used, um, etc. Right now, if you start injecting. And, you know, we have these artificial particulates coming out of planes, airplanes, right? Now you're going to perturb the natural process of clouds, right? Or cloud seeding itself. You're going to perturb that entire process. Again, Jim, it comes down to how much, right? Right. How much is this happening, right? And um, because if you want to throw something off of its homeostasis, right? 
you have to do something significant to put it into something we call allostasis in system science. Homeostasis is where it maintains. So what is, so if they've been doing experiments for years in geoengineering, um, or it could be the fact that we're flying airplanes, right? And the amount of airplanes. It's the how the earliest examples I have are 1958. Mm -hmm. And this is the city of Palm Springs. And in our, the weather modification history section of climateviewer.com, you can go to our newspaper vault. And we have 849 newspapers dated back to the 1800s. In 1958, the city of Palm Springs said that our basically our economy is predicated on our sunshiny days. However, the skies look like a mob of exuberant sky riders making con vapor trails that block out the sun. And the Air Force basically met with them two months later in January 1959 and said, well, you're at the intersection of all flights on the West Coast. So either move the city of Palm Springs or deal with it. And what most people today think, this is just a brand, this is a new phenomenon, but it's not. Like since we've, you know, since we've had flight, they have been disturbing the natural processes of cloud formation. 1946, when the GE labs invented um, cloud seeding, legitimate cloud seeding, as they like to say, with silver iodide. Um, it was less than a year later, they were attempting to steer hurricanes with Project Cirrus. And in 1949, Irving P. Crick invented the ground-based cloud seeding generator, which operates through October um, through March of every single year in the United States, all along the Rocky Mountains. Now China is covering the entire Himalayan plateau in hundreds of thousands of cloud seeding generators. This is enough to alter the world's weather, not just China's weather. So that's, that's where we have to kind of draw a line and how much of an intervention is this? It, it's, it's getting to a monumental scale. So, of course, being that a lot of people, you know, at least my followers want me to dig deeply into this chemtrail phenomena, I, I lead with plane farts because at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the facts and then we'll deal with the conspiracy later. The facts are that just the cloud seeds that are emitted from burning jet fuel at 1.5 million barrels of jet fuel per day in America at 149,000 flights per day around the globe. When you're hearing numbers, this was June 2023, um, nature.com, uh, 1 million tons of carbon black soot nanoparticles per year. The Indian Space Organization found 10,000 black carbon um, soot nanoparticles per square centimeter, 18 kilometers into the stratosphere. And they derived, they, they decided that the only place it could have come from was aviation jet fuel burning. So we have this, this monumental, you know, um, man-made <laughs> climate chaos that nobody wants to acknowledge. So I, you know, of course that's when in, in the infographic here, I, I reached out to the scientists, you know, the, the top scientists in um, aerosol cloud interaction. said, I wanted to know what they thought. So Dr. Ulrich Schumann said, 
Um, at the ICAO Colloquium on Aviation and Climate Change 2010, we want less warming, more cooling contrails predictable for operational planning. Dr. Rangasai Halthori from the FAA Aviation Climate Change Research Initiative, when I did an interview with him, he said, quote, we would like more contrail-induced cirrus clouds by day and none during the night. And the reason why is because like we were talking about with albedo, solar radiation management, the geoengineering idea of re putting artificial aerosols into the sky to reflect sunlight away to cool the planet. Um, and the flip side of that is the earth radiation management side, which they call cirrus cloud thinning. Because in order to stop that heat from being trapped at the surface and allow it to escape back to space so that we do re have our homeostasis, um, Ulrich Lohman and Blas Gasparini um, best said it in this paper called A Cirrus Cloud Climate Dial that if we limited cirrus cloud thinning to high latitude winters or nighttime seeding, that we could, you know, have the most beneficial effect on global warming. So, what you have is you have three different, you know, major. Um, scientists who are saying the same thing what has been pollution since 1958 which has been uh just a convenient you know cloud smattering coming from commercial aviation we now need to engineer that to not trap heat at night to that diurnal temperature range that we were talking about earlier what that they found on those two um two days that we want to be able to control these clouds. So they've came up with an idea of biofuels for contrail control. Um, and uh, President Obama signed off an agreement with the European Union, China. Um, hey Jim, can you hold on a second? I, sure. I mean, it's, it's, I appreciate you sharing all this, but let's just keep it simple because it's, Certainly. Look, um, the Earth knows how to regulate itself with clouds, okay? to maintain temperature. I want to keep this very, it, the bottom line is, if you perturb cloud formation, you're going to throw off the self-regulatory phenomenon, okay? So let's just keep it with the science here because I want to understand how you intersect that with this because if you look at, this was the latest paper that came out by, um, you know, some of Dick's colleagues, okay? And it's it, the paper's called The Iris Effect, okay? And this was, um, so I'd like to go to, you know, I, I want to keep it, so revisiting The Iris Effect, okay? The Iris Effect is the ability for the clouds to um, modulate themselves by, and so this is a, a wonderful paper which goes to, but the end of the point is this diagram, okay? So, if you look at these two different cloud phenomenon, one organization of clouds helps the radiation leave the earth, right? To cool it. That's Another outgoing type. long wave radiation. Yeah. yeah. And the other okay. type of cloud formation um, allows the heat to be trapped. Okay. The key takeaway <clears> is that the, the clouds know how to modulate themselves based on the surface temperature. Now, Let's just, if we, if we understand that is the reality. And, I, and by the way, no one can argue with this. Again, clouds were not included in any of the climate change models. Now, 
if you have lots of airplane activity, are you saying that it's perturbing that cloud formation? Just let's just keep it simple. Yes. Okay. That that by by having a lot of artificial clouds. Right. Two, those are the two terms I use. I use the most simple te- terminology for it. artificial clouds and the plane farts. So the the plane farts are the cloud condensation nuclei, right. um, the ice nucleating particles that are emitted from planes, and the artificial clouds are the man-made clouds that are interrupting the natural cycle right. of things. Right. So so if we if if that is occurring. The question again in science is how much, okay? How much is that effect on perturbing the clouds? And then if it is, are you stating that is what is, are you saying that's increasing heat, the surface temperature or decreasing it or just changing I'm, it? I'm, I'm going to be blunt and say that I don't really have a clue what, to what degree. And that it, that right. my, my concern is that there are these arrogant um, scientists who clearly haven't talked enough to engineers about how you know that how badly this could go for us. Right, right. But 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 if we just go, we're intersecting two different sort of areas right now. One is the beginning of this conversation is that the entire climate change models do not include clouds. That's right. And because they don't include clouds, none of their shit you can trust. It's just their, their predictions science. are way off. Right. So that's done. Okay. Now we're moving to the fact that we um, that based on those predictions that they are going they're trying to wrest control of the right. global temperature through engineering. Right. Well well what I'm saying is yeah, so they're saying the climate is changing, right? But there's two things here. And we can't mix them both, right? One is we've had commercial aviation. Okay, before we go into geoengineering, right? Commercial aviation has been taking place since the 1950s. And the point is that commercial aviation could be perturbing the formation of clouds, right? Then the issue is what is that doing to our weather? All right. And the issue is we don't fully know what it's doing. Okay. As far as far back as 1976, um, Wallace Wallace had a study on the possibility of weather modification by aircraft contrails. And he said that, quote, it is likely that airplane contrails are changing the weather to a greater extent than present day cloud seeding operations. And I think that goes without saying right there, Jim, let's just stop right there. Okay, one is commercial aircraft and the other is this other stuff that's going on where people are actually doing cloud seeding, okay? So there's two different phenomenon. We have the climate change models are bullshit. We know clouds are involved in regulating the Earth's temperature. I just wanna separate these two. The other is we've had commercial aviation for the last 80 years, right? Sorry, 70 years, right? Something like that. Yeah, roughly. So over those 70 years, the point is that the, 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 airplanes themselves are creating quote-unquote clouds the things that they're putting out are also creating nucleation which is creating clouds right or perturbing cloud formation the issue is what are airplanes doing then to affect either clouds which then will affect the this which will perturb the self-regulation ability of the earth right right that's i i want to just frame the scientific question if that's in fact the case, 
is it increasing temperature, reducing temperature, or is it just making the temperature or essentially making weather chaotic? It's probably the latter, right? It's doing. I, I, I lean towards climate chaos. You right, know, climate the, the, chaos. Right. So, so the so one is, um, I think it would be not unscientific to say all of this vast amounts of jet fuel coming out, the stuff that the the stuff that's the exhaust that's coming out is affecting our weather. The issue is always how much, right? Right. Because is it like someone is in a huge room? And one guy farts a little bit in a massive. Is it is it one guy farting in a in, in a bedroom stadium? versus an auditorium? <laughs> yeah, versus in your room. Okay, right. And is is it you're farting in a room? Excuse to use this disgusting thing in a hundred square foot room. Or are you doing it in a huge stadium and no one sees it? You see, and this is what right. we have to be careful about. Size me. matters. <laughs> yeah, size does matter. It does matter. So I don't know if anyone's done that analysis that um, that's the problem is that um when i spoke to the gentleman from i went to the uh, 2018 american meteorological society's annual and meeting what did they say? and when i talked to the guys from the university corporation of atmospheric research i said um what i've noticed is that there is no global rainfall sampling um sensor network where you literally just are looking at what is the fallout, you know, doing um, spectrometry on rainfall samples. Tell me what chemicals are in there so we can kind of get a, you know, a global, at least summary of what aerosols are raining out. Now, the fact that that that, that glaring omission of scientific data that's necessary uh, the alternative would be to literally have like flying GCMS, you know, up there, you know, doing real time sampling, telling us at each level of the altitude from the ground to the tropopause into the stratosphere at each level. What is the density of, you know, each element? Um, we don't but, have but, that. Yeah, information. My, I guess my question is, has anyone um, modeled any of this modeling wise? I've been able to find just geoengineering models. You have the climate change models, but even in right. there, the aerosol cloud interaction sections of any of the IPCC reports are almost void. That's what I'm trying to say. So the bottom line is that obviously the commercial aircraft and what they're doing is going to do some perturbation to cloud formation. We don't know how much, right? But the more important, and then you have actual geoengineering taking place, right? People shooting up, um, right? I what is it? Sodium iodide into the atmosphere, um, right? Calcium carbonate, car, calcium carbonate, um, aluminum, uh, titanium dioxide. There's even been discussions of you know obviously sulfur, and then there's discussions of diamond dust along with many other different ideas. But right now, the the big talk from David Keith and Bill Gates is calcium carbonate is their their drug of choice right. so, for... so 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 that's to nucleate right and to create clouds right wrong see this is the oh. this is the this is the big misconception with the geoengineering solar geoengineering solar geoengineering wouldn't even occur in the troposphere at all it would be the gradual buildup of aerosols in the stratosphere because of their residence time so the residence time of lofting chemicals in the upper troposphere, which would be the majority of jet aircraft pollution, um, 
is generally two weeks to maybe two to four months at best before it rains out. However, if you loft chemicals into the stratosphere, AKA stratospheric aerosol injection, which is part of solar geoengineering, that can have a residence time of anywhere from several months to several years. Okay, so 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 basically, what you're saying is, if you aircraft flies around thirty thousand feet, the clearance rate of that is within about two weeks. But Correct. if you put it up into the stratosphere, which is what Gates wants to do, that's about many months. And the analogy here is, if you take a drug right into your body in intervention. Typically, what the pharmaceutical companies are trying to track is what is a clearance rate? How long right. does it take for your liver to get it out? Right. So your body naturally, if you take like, you know, if you if you have a headache today and you go take Tylenol or Advil, it's typically within, you know, 72 hours. Right. Your uh, liver will clear it out. Right. And that's called clearance rate. And now when we're applying that to these climate systems, you fly an airplane. Right up in the, um, uh, you know, 40,000 feet up in about two weeks, you're saying whatever exhaust stuff would eventually get dissipated and cleared. But if you're seeding, whatever the techniques of the geoengineering that can hang out there for two, three months. Is that what you're saying, Jim? At a minimum two, three months in okay. some of the cases, um, with, especially with more of the engineered nanoparticles that they're talking about lofting, much, much even longer, um, two saying. years, three years. And what, um, what, what height are they putting them into? What's the altitude? The, the typical height that they want to get them up to is about 60,000 feet. Right. So um, however, flies at. but, but we, but we go right back to what the Indian space organization found that 10,000 per cubic centimeter of carbon black soot from aviation fuel being burned was found in the stratosphere. Uh -huh. So that means that not only this is what I'm trying to basically separate here for you is that you have the clouds and that's what everybody's focused on. What they're not focused on is the milky white background, which is what geoengineering actually attempts to, uh, to create. So what Chuck Long was saying was that planes were creating a sub visual ice haze, which we technically do not consider to be a cloud that is building up in the stratosphere over the decades. Uh -huh. So as we, as we fly closer towards the tropopause, which you can see many cases, if you go to ADSB exchange um, and you look at the flights and what their current altitudes are, that many of these planes are flying like right on the tropopause. And when you have evidence, which is, which is what, like 50,000? It, it, it's different depending on where you are in in the world in fact which which airplanes are you talking about i mean most commercial flights claim they don't go over 40,000. i mean i could bring it up live for you right now and show you many planes flying you know over forty nine thousand. you know some of these 52 56 000 feet commercial aircraft yes uh private oh. private planes um in yeah. addition to military planes now the military planes um they actually have a special set of additives called a high thermal stability additive where they put a triple cocktail of, you know, chemicals into the jet fuel to keep it from freezing at high altitudes. So they can fly into the stratosphere um, and they're extra dirty. Uh, let's just put it that no, no, way. I, no, I know military planes. I, I know, you know, privates can go up to around 49, you know, I've um, seen some at 62. 
I see. Private. That, that's about. I think that's about the highest I've seen um, on uh-huh. adsbexchange.com. and so, they so have. Ben, what, they what's, have the, what, what's your point? Are you saying that the commercial flights are causing this because of our aviation industry? Are causing right. kind of chaos. That that it basically in 1970, the state of Illinois, Illinois no, 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 and no, New no, Jersey. No, before you go there, just answer that question. Yes. Are you saying that? Sorry, the, let's just this, the commercial. This is the, this is the million dollar question. Is it intentional, or is it just you know they don't give a fuck? Okay, that's really well, the question. Okay, so your your thesis is that put aside the sort of forced geoengineering that commercial aviation itself is the geoengineering is that what you're right that is okay. my that is All my right. basic thesis that whether okay. Okay. So, whether so that you throw yeah. throw conspiracy out yes based so simply that. on observational data so and, that and, we okay. know so commercial aviation is affecting the climate are they doing it on purpose or is it just a side effect that's a different question but your point is that the commercial aviation is perturbing the climate and and that's why i that's why i brought up that infographic because when you see what ulrich schumann is saying less warming more cooling contrails predictable for operational planning when you see what the faa's head of climate change says dr hal thory says more cooling contrails by day none during the night we have we've left this paradigm of it's just pollution and when Joe, when Joe Biden's White House puts out a solar radiation modification, you know, research agenda for the next five years, the European Commission puts out the same agenda, and in it they include three main topics: stratospheric aerosol injection, marine cloud brightening, and cirrus cloud thinning. You can't include that third one if you if you're not you know, acknowledging the fact that someone clearly is trying to control the clouds and the pollution but, coming but, from but Jim, But Jim, again, for, an, bring, for, bring, for a desired outcome. Yeah, but bringing back to this core, your um, thesis here is that commercial aviation is the geoengineering phenomenon that's being done with purpose. One is for flying people around, but... It is to put these particles up into the uh, stratosphere, which sustain themselves for a long time and accumulate, that that is being done to do this geoengineering. Is that what you're saying? It's that's that's where the evidence goes. So, yes. Yes. Okay. so let's just let's just. Yeah, because I'd like to keep things in this form where we can understand the core of what you're saying. So you're saying commercial aviation. Again, I want to repeat this again. Pollution. Yes. Commercial aviation and the resulting pollution from commercial aviation is the geoengineering that's taking place. However, you're not sure if that's going to cause climate uh, perturbations to the climate, which is increasing or lowering temperature, but you're asserting it's going to do climate chaos. It's going to just fuck up the climate and all that we don't fully understand. 
it, it's back to what you were talking about with the homeostasis and the self-regulating yeah. system. Yeah. We're, we're, An, we're, another one that I had heard was called the claw process. The idea that ocean phytoplankton released dimethyl sulfide, basically phytoplankton fart. When the planet gets too hot, they create clouds. Those clouds cool the planet, phytoplankton die off, and the cycle repeats itself. Right. I could come up with 10 to 20 well, of these let, let me just, types. Let me just keep it simple to the body, right? If you look at the body, the body knows how to self-regulate. You know, there's a lot of evidence saying in certain cultures, you know how women get menopause, where they get all hot flashes, right? They start sweating. There's certain foods that uh, have been taken out of our diet. Um, there's a, a significant amount of evidence that shows in certain cultures, women didn't have these high fluctuations in their temperature because they got certain nutrients, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the issue is, if you're perturbing a system and the system knows how to self-regulate itself with the clouds, right? Right. And now you're injecting garbage into it or removing stuff that should be there either way. In this case, you're injecting pollutants into it, that that's going to perturb the actual um, uh, temperature or weather. Let's just call it weather modification, right? Right. And so you're saying in order to cover up the pollutants being caused by commercial aviation they're saying oh climate change is taking place over there is, is that part of your assertion too jim yeah um, it, oh. at the end of the day they're trying to they're trying to blame co2 for yes and they know what you know here's here's the gaping hole in all of our models guess what it happens to be clouds right oh but by the way if you talk about those clouds we're going to label you a conspiracy theorist because you called them chemtrails that's that's the ridiculousness of the world that we live in we can't have a you know a factual conversation about but, but i would argue this jim a lot of i i think if you if we keep it to the fact that the clouds are used to regulate temperature that's to, a fact they are the greenhouse would you agree with that that terminology well to, to stabilize weather okay on on the earth right um clouds know how to do it they can handle all they're, they're pretty robust right clouds right. come and form and that's what this you know i mean this is a, a i mean dick Lindzen, by the way who publishes is um was the youngest guy accepted to the national academy of engineering he was a professor when i did the video exposing the entire parish records a few months later dick did a letter to trump saying don't um, get, or get out of the Paris Accords. That video that I did, I think, got like 50 million views. Um, but Dick's letter basically said, you know, get out of the Paris Accords. And the other phenomenon was 140 professors at MIT attacked him. Now, Dick was the youngest person accepted to the National Academy of Engineering, and he was the head of the meteorology group at MIT. But the point is that clouds know how to regulate the weather. Okay, or temperature, a bunch of things. They're they're self-regulating. Now you're saying that with commercial aviation, we've put so many pollutants up in the stratosphere, they're perturbing the self-regulating ability of our Earth system. I would I would take it a step further yeah. and say that it is in the nature of man to try to control everything. And, and especially any type right, right, of right, but, but resources. you're saying that they're doing commercial aviation as a front to cover this? I would say that, that they- I just wanna be clear on this. 
Because it, it, it's it's kind of a complicated topic. Because at the same time, I don't, I cannot say for certain that you know that they're they know what their desired outcome is. Because I've seen you know peer reviewed journal publishings that say Greenland ice sheet melts more when it's cloudy. So they're on the one hand they're saying these clouds are definitely creating more heat. That's um you know it's trapping heat at the ground, and then on the other side. I've seen, you know, numerous documents saying, well, it's actually creating a cooling effect. Um, And if we just, you know, now they have what's called climate optimized routing of flights. But but, but Jim, 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 let's just stay on topic here on this one issue before we jump around. Clouds self-regulate the temperature. Okay. Correct. Now we've had commercial aviation, which are putting pollutants up into the stratosphere, you're asserting, and they don't clear out within weeks. Right. Right. I just want to keep this very rational and logical. So and and they are putting out other part particulates that are affecting weather again. All true. Altering weather. Right. But we've been doing commercial aviation. Are you saying that the when they fly an airplane, they're putting out other stuff to alter it purposefully or this is just a side effect? Just just let's just focus that, on that. That alone is what I, I, I go back to when I try to, to reason with people who believe there is a conspiracy. When I try to reason with them, I say, you have to be able to prove intent to be able to say, this is a nefarious plan. This is a, no, no, a government. But, but, but what I'm saying is, Jim, we've been doing, I mean, we take an airplane from point A to point B, okay? People mm-hmm. fly around. We're in the modern age. Are you saying that they're doing I'm not sure what you're saying. Are you saying commercial flights are taking place to cause climate change? I'm saying that as a result of as a result of jet fuel being burnt at that altitude, we are altering the weather and the climate systems. Right. Right. Period. Period. Right. You don't know if that's being done, but you're not you don't know if it's being done. And based on based on the statements of leading climate scientists like from the Federal Aviation Administration's Aviation Climate Change Research Initiative, when they're doing studies to test biofuels for contrail control, when they're pr- pr- doing contrail serious prediction tools, the Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit, which is built into the next-gen transportation system, when they're implementing all these systems of control to, to get a desired effect, which is a net cooling, that, that that basically the albedo effect of what they're they're creating, what they have been, what as they put it, an uncontrolled experiment for seventy years is now becoming a controlled experiment in cooling the planet. No, Does but that Jim, make more I, sense, Jim? I, I really want us to focus on this thing. Commercial aviation puts out pollutants. Okay, it's you're saying the clearing st- stays in the stratosphere. All right, that is affecting climate. Yes, certainly. Okay. Now the next jump is, this is what I'm, I'm not getting from you. And if we just focus on this, are you saying commercial aviation is being done to manipulate the weather? I mean, obviously it's not because when you order something from Amazon, UPS flies a plane and delivers you something. So that is why the plane went in the air. Right, right. So, so, is, yeah, so, let's but just is somebody in, so commercial yeah. air flight 
is occurring for other reasons, right? Clearly. I think what we can say is that commercial flight, right, is causing some perturbations to the weather. And we could just end there, right? It would be it would be that simple. However, oh yeah, so um, so, so but but that's probably true. What we just said. Now the second, it, without a doubt, it is changing the weather. Right. The, so now, but without now, a moratorium, now you're, jumping, now you're jumping to something else. So okay, so we agree with that. Clouds self-regulate. Commercial aircraft since 1950s um, may be perturbing the weather. We don't know how much, but now you're jumping to another point, and you're saying what that. That, that yeah. now with this climate narrative post COP twenty one, that they're zeroing in on carbon taxes and carbon credits. Yep. They're 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 targeting the airline industry, saying, "Well, your carbon emissions are X, and in order for you to get you know to a balanced state, you need to come up with some offset plan, which is the cirrus cloud thinning, which is all of these different ideas. Well, we'll make clouds by day, none by night. That way, we actually have a net cooling, and we won't get taxed out of the sky." Now you can read this in many of the industry, you know, journals that they have. You in the in the peer-reviewed science journals where they talk about cirrus clouds coming from planes and how they can control them with biofuels or cirrus cloud thinning. So, what was just a pollution that happened as a chance, you know, part of daily commerce, is now become an active experimental playground for the climate engineers. Does that make sense? Okay, and to what purpose? To what? Cool the, cool the Earth? To, instead of creating clouds that are trapping heat at the surface, as they believe they are now, right? to create cooling clouds during the day, which can then be removed by nighttime, right. if, if, that, if that's even possible. Right. Okay, so, so what you're saying is, okay, so we all agree, and I'm repeating this, clouds self-regulate the temperature, uh, phase then there was this phase that we started doing commercial flights commercial flights started perturbing it and now they're saying okay um let's start using these commercial flights when they're doing maybe injecting they they're going to put out some other output to create different kinds of clouds which can cool the earth during the day that's what you're saying like they're actually when yeah you when can amazon, you can literally you read it Am when you order Good. amazon that amazon flight is also putting out some additives, right? As it flies to effect. Is that what you're saying? That that's a possibility. So one of the one of the big ones is Amazon uses its EC2 um, its cloud AWS uh, cloud um, computing services for geoengineering modeling and comparison projects. Google artificial intelligence working with United Airlines to route flights around contrail producing regions of the sky. Uh, in this climate optimized routing of flights. Um, this just happened last month. The, it's been going on for the last year. So when you have these major corporations all coming together with artificial intelligence, predictive programming to route flights to places where they will create cirrus clouds at one time, which will create a cooling effect, but not if they're going to trap outgoing long wave radiation. Yeah. But Jim, it's let's just trying let's, to look, look. I just, I just want to. We acknowledge that commercial airline. When I order something, I'm not doing that to cloud seed, right? 
I'm, or I'm ordering something. You I'm just want your stuff delivered. Yeah, correct. But what you're now saying is that there's a conscious effort by whoever to use commercial aviation to manipulate the uh, weather. Global temperature. Right, but using aviation, commercial aviation. Correct. Okay. Beyond okay. a shadow of a doubt. All right. All right. So that's what I wanted to get to. Okay. Um, so it's not like the, there's there could be geoengineering going here, but they're actually using um, commercial aviation to do this and sort of hide what's going on. It's a it's a way that you camouflage. Correct. Uh, it's okay. a geoengineering pollution solution. R right. But you're saying commercial aviation is being used for geoengineering. It before was just a side effect, and now it's being actively used for geoengineering. And, the, and this is based on no, no, the but, study. But, but Jim, yeah. that's what you're yes, saying, right? I agree. I agree. Okay, yeah, 100, in, that's exactly that's what, what we're saying. saying. So anyway, that's that's what I wanted to get clear. Uh, what I want to do is um, it's 1028. I just want to um, I want to play a, a video here just for our audience. Everything we're discussing here, people to understand, and that's why I've been taking it slow, Jim, is um, most people. The problem is if this isn't discussed methodically in this way, it falls into this area of, I don't know what, and then people, the, the real issues get covered up. I notice in election systems, there are real issues um, like signature verification and let's say chain of custody. These are real fundamental issues. And then the whack jobs come in and they take the real issues and they start talking about all sorts of other cray cray shit. And then the real issues never get addressed. So that's why I wanted to be very, very meticulous here in this conversation. And that's why because I wanted to have this discussion with you. What because happens is, your... you know, there's a real stuff going on. And then people in the government, if they do not want people to understand stuff, they actually throw other crazy shit in there. You know, you know in the case of election systems, we discovered fundamental systems issues, signature verification, chain of custody. Trump and Mike Lindell came into it and the Trump people, and they made a shitload of money off of my work. They made about a quarter of a billion dollars or more, but they started talking about crazy shit, which made it so crazy that you couldn't really bring people together on the fundamental issues. You see that are real and every issue becomes like this. You know, there are real issues with the fact that government controls social media companies, but then they add all sorts of other shit so you let the criminals like Elon Musk get away, all right? Because he's part of it. So that's why I wanted to take this very methodically and very scientifically from an engineering standpoint. Because this whole lot, many, many people have asked me to discuss geoengineering. And I purposely stayed away from it because it's like, sorry to use a word, no pun intended, the whole thing becomes very cloudy, okay? <laughs> right. Um, so <laughs> I just want people to understand, from if you take it from a systems standpoint, there is an earth sun system of how much heat gets formed in the earth but the earth is a very smart intelligent system using clouds it knows how to dissipate the heat we maintain proper temperature over here i hope that's that that stuff is right here that body of knowledge that conversation the second thing you're talking about is commercial aviation since the 1950s has been putting pollutants in the atmosphere which may be perturbing temperature period all right. We don't know how much, but it is to some or extent. which direction. Yeah, but we don't. And the problem is, it's unfortunate that no real research has been funded to do that. To me, that's really the problem. Why isn't there research? Really it's it's the that? glaring omission. Right. So so how is that affecting clouds? 
The third piece that, that we're talking about is, are there forces which are now using commercial aviation purposefully to do geoengineering? And, and we'll come back and talk about that. But I just want to let everyone know, everything that, Jim, you know I do, I like to take a systems approach. We want to train people to take a systems approach. So you start looking at the real things. because There's so much bullshit nowadays. Um, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, uh, you know, we've seen at the GOP debates, right? Mm -hmm. The same guy five months ago, this brown guy that they found out, I call him the big farmer brown noser, Vivek the snake. Six months ago, he's saying, oh, yeah, climate change is real. We got to stop it, right? But at the debates, he's saying, oh, yeah, it's a hoax. But they don't describe what the hoax really is. So they're just saying stuff just to get votes on either side. And pandering. The pandering on either side. So we want to get to the truth. And that's why people really need to understand how systems work. And when you understand how systems work, you can use it for understanding how your physical body works, right? how to make it healthier. You can understand what we just went through, how the climate system works, how the immune system works, how political systems work. And that's what I'm dedicated to doing, Jim, is educating people on a systems approach to everything. And when we take a systems approach, you start seeing who the real enemies are and what we need to do. So I just wanna play a quick video for people and then we'll come back because um, I really want everyone listening here, um, hopefully this video will inspire you why we need to take a systems approach. And why, you know, it took me, I used to teach the course at MIT on this gym to, you know, people used to pay tons of money for this, but I want to make systems thinking, system science accessible to all people. Because if they do that, then we can start having intelligent conversations and winning people on all different sides over versus right now people, there's something real going on, but then people say wackadoodle shit and then the stuff gets put into the fringes. You know what I'm saying? versus being, so let me just play this video and we'll be right back. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media, we need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. 
Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhelp.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva. I a couple of uh, important things and we'll talk more about this. Everyone knows I'm running for president of the United States. Everyone should go get one of these bumper stickers. Jim, if you haven't gotten one, get one. Um, I'm on it. The nice thing is you get one of these bumper stickers, 100,000 people see it. It's far better than social media. The real social media is going to be offline. The other thing is every Thursdays at 11 a.m. and at 8 p.m., we do a open house. Uh, it's, it's a long day for me because the 11 a.m. session goes from 11 to 2 or sometimes 3. The 8 p.m. sometimes goes from 8 to 11 p.m. All right, but we do it. It's a, it's a global audience, but you'll really start understanding 
this notion of why we have to build a bottoms up movement, why each one of you needs to become truth, freedom, and health warrior scholars, because the conversation we're having today is something on geoengineering that you probably won't get anywhere else. Um, and just to be clear, Jim, we're not talking right today in this conversation, because that's a whole nother conversation about um, geoengineering that's being done in other ways where people are sending, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways like HARP and all these kinds of things people talk about. Today's conversations were focused on commercial aviation, right? And the fact that commercial aviation itself is being used to do geoengineering. And um, to those of you who joined us late, we began the conversation really by reviewing the fact that there is no, there is no field called climate science. There isn't, okay, it's a made up field. The field is actually fluid mechanics and radiative physics, which have existed for many, many years. They're the real guts, the scholarly guts of it. And when the IPCC tried to scare everyone that the Earth's temperature is going to go up, they based it on mathematical models, which have no basis in evidence because the models predict all these different answers from 0% ice melting in the Arctic to 100% and all different flavors in between. But the key thing in summary we talked about is none of those models included clouds, okay? And clouds are the regulating factor of the Earth's temperature. Clouds, um, and then uh, I just shared before we took a break that this is an important paper that came out uh, several years ago. It's called the Iris Effect. Um, it's a wonderful paper because um, uh, it's written... Um, and the paper really goes into the fact that the clouds um, uh, came out in 2011 are very intelligent. They actually know how to keep, let more heat out or let more heat in. Like here, the clouds form to let more heat out or keep heat in. And so the clouds are very similar, this paper argued, to the iris of your eye, which knows how much light to put it, you know, if the iris closes if, you're, if I'm shining a bright light on me versus opens up you know, the dark. Having said that, Jim and I had a conversation then to give his thesis and his research um, of the fact that commercial aviation over the last 70, 80 years has really fucked up the environment, right? Putting out pollutants. And these pollutants have likely caused um, perturbations to our climate. And the unfortunate thing, the third point is that no one's really done research. <laughs> on how much there's no scientific research really funded, okay, um, to really understand how much um, the uh, commercial um, aviation industry has affected climate, right? Right. And the fourth thing right before we um, ended was, uh, your point was... Um, that we've basically gone from pollution, you know, unintentional pollution right. to controlling it. Right. So um, for using, a desired outcome. Right. But you're but the key point you're saying, Jim, is that commercial aviation now, this is the fourth point, is being used as a vehicle to do geoengineering. And that's where we ended, right before we took the break, right? Right. Okay. So we just want every we're, we're because a lot of people in the chat are saying, what about harp? What about this? We're not, that's a whole different conversation. Today, we wanted to really educate people on the fact that commercial aviation um, puts out pollutants and particles which linger not for weeks, 
but for months likely in the upper atmosphere. Um, and, and those things did cause climate chaos. We don't know how much, I haven't, you know, I'd have to do more research on this. And you're saying very little research was done on that. But then in this fourth part, people are actually using climate, sorry, commercial aviation to manipulate the environment. Is that right, Jim? That's correct. Okay. So um, what what we have, you know, as far as evidence, I, I only know of one scientist in the world who's even looked into this. Um, and the, the anti-geoengineering groups, the NGOs of the world, like the ETC group, if you bring this up with them, they'll just basically give the blanket statement. You know, it. this is not a thing. Um, but when you talk about Chuck Long, I mean, NOAA Earth Systems Research Lab, evidence of clear sky daylight whitening, are we already conducting geoengineering? And he used um, the baseline surface radiation network along with mul multiple other sensors to come to this conclusion that basically planes are lofting chemicals into the stratosphere whether they reach the stratosphere or not commercial, and that, that but, but but jim again let's keep commercial aviation you're saying commercial aviation right at so, a at, at, a, at roughly 110 to 130,000 flights per day mm -hmm. that as a aggregate their chemicals are making it into the stratosphere evidence gathered proved Beyond a shadow of a, and what, a doubt. And, and what is the purpose? Because before it was pollutants that we said they're just causing climate chaos. But now you're saying that they're putting certain pollutants in to manipulate the climate. Is that what you're saying? Before it was just random. So to one of the geoengineers, David no, Keith no, no, came. No, 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 Jim, Jim, answer that question. Before it was random. Now it's being directed. Now, now they are intentionally trying to control the jet fuel emissions yeah. to get a desired outcome. Right. Period. Okay. Period. That, All right. That, that when you so look think, at the global bodies governing flights right. and jet I, I, think, I think that's the takeaway, Jim. I think that's really the takeaway, right? The takeaway is what started as an anomaly to affecting the climate is now all these in aggregate, all of commercial aviation is being used to manipulate the climate. Right. And, okay. and we could, and we could, we could, you know, basically, it comes down to this like there's this there's this divide in the online activist community regarding this subject you got the Why one you have this it's like what you said about the people who introduce introduced the bullshit. okay yeah. so on the one hand you have the dane wiggingtons of the world who say planes cannot create contrails at all everything is a pump or a pipe and then on the other side, there's me going, we can have both. There is evidence. I have Freedom of Information Act requests from not only the Air Force at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and then United States Navy at the um, China Lake, uh, California, that they both agreed, 1994 FOIAs, that they would use carbon black dust for cirrus cloud creation slash suppress contrail cirrus. And they said, why? They took it a step forward. Dr. Arnold J. Barnes from the um, United States. Yeah, um, can, you, can you just, sorry to intervene. I just want to just get clarity here. You said there's two sides. Side one is what and side two? Side is one is there is pollution that's being taken advantage of to get a desired outcome. Mm -hmm. The side two is 
intentional weather warfare manipulation and the military agenda behind it. And in that side, we are not talking about just jet fuel being burned. We're talking about chemicals, pumps, pipes, dumps. Right. So you're saying that group, when you bring this up, they say, oh, this is not happening. It's only that other thing. Is it's happening. only the other thing. And right. I'm going, why can why cannot both right. things and, and, be and true? I think, I think the analogy with the election system stuff is that other group could just be saying that to um, basically make some outlandish claims so people discount the whole thing. Exactly. And and that's that's my my point all along has been that when I said earlier, 1970, the state of Illinois and New Jersey sued the airline industry for what they referred to as smoke pollution of the skies. Okay. Because basically planes were blocking out the sun. If people look at that and then they go, "Well, this has been happening for a long time." But then you go and you flip the script and you start talking about weather warfare. And you have the United Arnold J. Barnes. No, I get it. I get it. I, I, I yeah. get what you're saying. Just I just want to be just be cognizant of time because I have. Uh, we can. I'll I'll here. summarize very quickly. Yeah. That Arnold Barnes said we want to make clouds to block out spy satellite um, spy satellites and increase nighttime operation capability. So blocking out moonlight at night. We have night vision. The Iraqi Republican Guard does not. We create clouds for this purpose. So these are the military reasons that were stated at a joint Army Air Force meeting. So you can have both, and both can be going on at the same time. You also have the CIA funding the climate intervention studies, um, going to geoengineer Alan Robach saying, can another country control the weather over America, and would we know and at the same time, the CIA was involved in Operation Popeye, weather warfare over Vietnam. They were involved in uh, creating droughts in Cuba in 1961, um, Project Nile Blue. This led to the weather warfare ban of 1978. So where I'm at is to clarify all of the above, the Environmental Modification Convention of 1978 banned weather warfare and any long-lasting effects on weather control manipulation that have you know loss of life um, as a you know as a mechanism. The problem is that they never made a way for you to catch anybody in the act or any kind of verification regime. So to kill two birds with one stone, the gaping hole in the climate models you're talking about, and to bring clarity and kill off a lot of conspiracy we could create a sensor network to detect the fallout that would inevitably occur if somebody were doing weather modification technologies or weather warfare or just introducing chemical additives to jet fuel that weren't there before that are affecting cloud cover so what i would propose is the government create a sensor network, but because I don't trust the government and they can turn their sensor networks off like they did after Chernobyl, after um, Fukushima, they turned off the EPA's radiation detection network, that we create a citizen-powered network of sensors in your backyard to collect rainfall samples, to analyze the chemicals, have an all-sky camera, measures long-wave, short-wave radiation, and video, you know, just video of your... Um, your cloud, you know, the clouds over your house, um, along with the, your regular um, temperature data, maybe even radiation and, you know, um, EMF frequency. 
if we were to collect all of this data in real time and, and report it to a map and uh, amend the weather warfare ban of 1978 to say, we need to ha- know in advance before you modify the weather. And if you don't, you just violate it in mod. And it's similar to the limited test ban treaty when they banned upper atmospheric nuclear explosions. They said you can't blow up nukes above the ground anymore. Then the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization created the International Monitoring System, which was seismographs, infrasound recorders, interferometers to detect and triangulate where a nuclear bomb explodes. So bans are no good without something trust but verify. So without a system to actually catch somebody in the act of intentionally modifying the climate or doing weather warfare, we will always have this, you know, it's just a conspiracy. Yeah. So, so Jim, um, I I think the key thing here is, um, you know, what we focus on is building this bottoms up movement. And most of if, when we're trying to engage people to do anything like this, right. There has to be um, this process of education. And that's why I wanted to take this methodically. What's fundamentally happened is most people are not even aware of the concept of a system. Most people are not even aware um, of this concept of a self-regulating system. Most people are not even aware of what the clouds do, right? So um, I'm a big, big proponent of once you teach people these principles, right? Then they can apply it to weather systems. They can apply it to everything. Um, and then you can mobilize people to take an action, but we need a conscious citizenry first. And that conscious citizenry today does not exist because 30% don't want to learn. 50% are just sitting on their asses watching which way the wind blows. The opportunity, watching football. <laughs> yeah, we have opportunity with the 20%. Um, and if you're going to deal with the 20%, they need to get some fundamentals under their um, thing. So I think as people review this video, I think the main thing that people need to understand is that the earth is an intelligent system. Your body is an intelligent system. Everything is in a system and systems have the ability to self-regulate. However, you can throw systems off course if you start fucking with them, like putting crap in them that don't belong there. Okay. And, you know, poisons in your body, right. Or not getting proper nutrition, your body will go into allostasis where your body is, obese and you think being 300 pounds overweight is normal. So it's happening in this country, you know, um, the average American right now, Jim is going to, uh, the, the life expectancy in the United States is now going down. If you have a child, your child is going to live less than you. Okay. Meaning have a lower life expectancy than you. And this is a systems problem. Um, it could be with pollution. It could be with, um, you know, a stress in people's lives, right? Income inequality, it's a whole bunch of things. It's not any one thing. So when we talk about this climate thing, and I, I think people go review this, number one, the earth is a very intelligent system. So if we've been flying airplanes, like you're saying since 1950s, Jim, what is that effect on climate? And I think the answer is we don't know because no one's funded the research on it. And even more importantly, what is the effect on human health of a right. constant steady rain of heavy metals, which we know to be poisonous to the human? Well, body? I can tell you what that is. You know, you know, every day, you know, as a systems biologist, 
it is the, it's all about dosage, Jim. It's how much you say, um, and over what period of time. If you were just walking by, you know, one time, a, a, you know, the back of a, you know, and you got some a whiff of some jet fuel, okay, your body will clear it, you know. Right. But if you're doing that every day in what's called microdosing over a long period of time, again, this thing needs to be understood. It'll have some effect. But the point is, Jim, the fact is that very little research is being done on this. And I think that that's what we can definitively take away. And I think, um, you know, as I want to close here, people do know I'm running for president. I don't think we've ever had an engineer, Jim, who understands sort of the magnitude of engineering system science ever run. And we no, live in a world that I know of. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think any of these president presidential candidates could even have a conversation like this that we're having today. Okay. They would just say either take one side or another side and just try to get votes. But I think the bottom they, line they, is they would do a perception management audit, you know, right. do a perception audit of what the public All right, Well, the majority of the people want to hear you say this, and then that's what you would get up there and say. Right. And I appreciate your honesty and the, the methodical nature that you went through this conversation, because I am a chaotic person. I am your typical chaotic American. Um, I have so many thoughts that it's hard to organize them. So yeah, I look I, forward I, to I'm taking glad you're being honest, Jim, because I, I am. you have a lot of information. What's happening right now in the world is because at a click of a button on, on these iPhones, you can get so much information. More information is not leading to more solutions. In fact, if anything, it's, you know, if people go to um, truthfreedomhealth.com, there's a very interesting graph. Uh, People go, let me bring it up. If people go to truthfreedomhealth.com, and by the way, that's where uh, people can go to become a Truth Freedom Health warrior scholar. But let me just bring this up. If people go there, there's a very important graph that we have. The attention deficit that's going on, Jim, the inability for people to focus is an important thing that you're bringing up because if you can't focus, we can't really grasp what the real problem is. And if people go to Truth Freedom Health, there's a, a very nice graph here that um has a guy looking at tons of information i don't know if you can see it jim yeah but just see. because we have lots of information doesn't mean the world is getting better in fact we have more people anxious and depressed more people feeling hopeless two and a half billion people are obese right in the world it's going to go up to four billion in the next five to ten years 40 percent want to overthrow the government so just because information doesn't mean we're getting better because information through the lens of ignorance leads people into one of these states illusion confusion right they get com complacent, desperate, or they, you know, want to be in this left or right camp. And ultimately, the only way out of this is knowledge, which is not information, but it's the ability to connect the dots, right? The science of system that leads to wisdom. And that's what I believe we've been wanting to do in this con conversation, Jim. That's why I was directing you. To, so everyone leaves not saying, oh, we just went to some climate change thing, you know, or a geoengineering thing and sort of walks away. The bottom line here is we want to take a systems approach. And what we're leaving here with honesty is recognizing that all this commercial aviation is going on. We have very little information on how it's affecting our health, how it's actually affecting the climate, except your assertion is that the commercial aviation is being used to do geoengineering. And no one wants to talk about that. And that's being camouflaged, likely, 
with this other bigger thing. Oh my God, the military's doing it. They're trying to attack us. And there's the big elephant in the room, which is commercial aviation. No different than, you know, the whole thing with the uh, COVID stuff, right? There, there are people that literally were were making the argument online that planes were spraying COVID and more gallons and nanobots and all of that sort of stuff. So when yeah, you yeah. Have, that's the but kind I, of propaganda you have to overcome. That's what I'm saying. To- and I think that's being done to make anything exposing it seem crazy. When the reality is Big Pharma's revenue was going down like this, Pfizer's revenue went from 65 billion to 40 billion in 2019. They needed the vaccine. And then Trump came in and beautifully lifted that up. Pfizer's revenue went from 40 billion up to 80 billion and now 100 billion. That's a big elephant in the room. And I think the big elephant in the room that you're bringing up is wait a minute, there's all this commercial aviation going on, and that could be used for manipulating the weather. So, anyway, Jim, I think this was great. You know, Uh, we should do it again. But I think, you know, to people listening, I, th- um, I think that if we do it again, I would like to do it after finishing your course because yeah. for me, you know, these are very complicated topics and being able to get them into the shortest format possible is very tough. And I think that your systems approach could definitely help me in educating other people with the information that I yeah. have. Well, I appreciate that, Jim. And that's why, so the action step I want to uh, impress on you, Jim, as well. And Jim, where are you out of? Um, Sumter, South Carolina. Yeah. So Jim, you know, when I'm running for president, we have a huge uh, group of people in South Carolina. So as I close out, everyone go to shivaforpresident.com, get one of these bumper stickers. They're like five bucks. You're helping. You got a lot of great information today, but it's a way for you guys to participate in this. You can also go to shivaforpresident.com. There's another very nice diagram there, Jim, um, that uh, actually a flyer. We want people to hand out these flyers to their local neighborhoods, right? To their friends, family at, at grocery stores. Let me bring up this flyer. This is where people can, it's great you put a bumper sticker. We want everyone to do that. But we also want people to go to the download section of Shiva for President. So if you go to the main page and you click free downloads here, Jim, you'll see there's a flyer here. And this flyer, it's you can download it. It's open sourced. You can put it on black and white, but notice this graph here, Jim. It says a lesser of two evils is killing your children. And if you look at this, since 1980 to today, the life expectancy of the United States is going down. This could be because of jet fuel. It could be because of Obamacare. It could be because of income inequality. It could be because of poisons, a whole bunch of things. It's not any one issue, but it's been going on since 1980. Democrats and Republicans have been screwing over people, but the bottom line is your child is going to have a shorter lifespan than you. And if you keep voting for the lesser of two evils or these people just say whatever you want to hear, it's not going to get any better. And who's causing this? The swarm. So the left, and you can go look up who the swarm is. There's a video. And what's the solution is our campaign and learning, as you just said, Jim, the science of systems. And every every, um, Thursdays, we do a town hall, which I recommend everyone come to because you'll really, and there it is, uh, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. vashiva.com slash orientation. But that's the, this is really about life and death at this point, particularly for your children, because if you don't understand system science, you're going to one day look at some brown guy who they dug up out of God knows where to look like me. We call him Vivek the Snake. <laughs> Seriously. And the guy, he's a Brahmin brown noser who is a fraud of the ultimate level, 
or they will indict Trump and they'll play theater there to get sympathy for him. So he raises another hundred million dollars or they'll, you know, put booby effing Kennedy, who basically is another bullshitter. So the establishment is very clever at manipulating you. And the only way out of this is for you to become your own leaders and your own teachers and your own masters. And the science of systems is the fastest way to get there. So that's why truthfreedomhealth.com. And as I end, Jim, I just want to play our campaign video. And, you know, our running for office gives everyone the opportunity to get involved. You can volunteer. We got to get on the ballot in South Carolina, North Carolina. You can help collect signatures. You can I'll donate. there. Yeah, yeah. So, Jim, get involved. Come to our um, shivaforpresident.com. Sign up as a volunteer. Every Saturdays we do meetings. But more importantly, if you want to donate, every time you donate something to me, I give you books, I give you courses, because our campaign fundamentally, if you notice, is about truth, freedom, health. It's about elevating people's consciousness. It's about thinking, thinking. <laughs> it's actually about learning how to think. Anyway, Jim, let me play this video and uh, it should inspire people uh, to support our campaign for president. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace, by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science. Lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I expose Fauci, galvanize the fire Fauci campaign when others remain silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. 
Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement, to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people for the working people who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health to win back America, be part of this historic movement, all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. President. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message, paid for by Dr. Shiva for President. It's just a couple of messages. Um, you can donate and volunteer at shivaforpresident.com. Every, um, every uh, Thursdays, we do a 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Uh, it's an open house. You get to meet incredible people from all over the world. Um, go to vashiva.com slash orientation. I also wanted to um, thank, uh, someone said, the Ray Infinity Show. Hello, Dr. Shiva. I'd like to have you on my show. Ray, if you want me on the show, just email me or uh, at vashiva at vashiva.com or DM me on Twitter and um, we'll get in touch. But or email me vashiva, Victor Alpha Shiva at vashiva.com and I'll have Heather also touch base with you. And then I think, um, um, Jim, you wanted to give your website to people? Um, yeah. So you can check me out at climateviewer.com or at climateviewer on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the other individuals I wanted to, to, to hook you up with is, is a gentleman that goes by the name Quite Frankly. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. He has an absolutely huge audience. Um, and politics is, uh, you know, his main um, wheelhouse. But from the very critical perspective that you bring to it, I'm sure that y'all would make for an excellent yeah, Jim, interview. So, so in, you've been in touch with Heather. And by the way, the, to anyone listening, everyone knows that since we got out there, Jim, in 2020, you know, we reach about a half a billion people globally with right. our movement. The uh, establishment was a little bit late to the game. And then they had to censor me, throw me off Twitter for exposing their censorship infrastructure. So now what they do is put me in a digital cage, Jim, and um, and literally uh, uh, squeeze. I'm right there with you. I've been proudly shadow banned since yeah. 2015. So, so what we want to do is um, others, uh, anyone out there who is a independent podcaster, 
we, you know, I want to support uh, you guys. So Jim, um, let quite frankly get in touch with Heather uh, and anyone and anyone else listening. You can reach out to me directly at vashiva at vashiva.com because we want to support an independent network of people who are actually interested in um, doing bottoms up journalism. Anyway, Jim, this was very valuable. Thank you for coming on. And I look forward to you becoming a truth from health warrior. I, I look forward to it too because yeah. you know my wife is my biggest critic and she's always said you're brilliant but you're all over the place um and well, yeah system science will help focus you and that's what i was trying to do with you but i think um the more that i think you can the reason we need to get focused is on any issue the establishment tries to do disinformation and and bring out the cray craze on every issue right and I That's believe right. there's the reality of what you're bringing up here. Um, and then there's people talking about wacky shit that the real stuff always gets hidden, subsumed by the wacky stuff. Anyway, Jim, it was great having you. Be well. Thank be you, so, thank, th thank you so much for having me. And, and, and never, never doubt that a you know dedicated group of small individuals can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that has. And I really hope that the people who are dedicated to you um, make a difference because I think you'd make a great president. Well, look, we're already making a big difference. They're so scared of us. They don't even want to mention our name. And that invisibility that they're doing, Jim, is waking people even more up because people remember all the good work we did in 2020. So everyone listening out there, go get a bumper sticker. That's a homework assignment, okay? Uh, put it And proudly put it on the back windshield of your car. Don't just get it and leave it on your dining room table. You got to act. You know, go to Shiva for president, get that flyer. And then fundamentally, as Jim's going to become, become a truth, freedom, and health warrior scholar. It'll really teach you how to think, not what to think, but how to think. And you're getting base, essentially an MIT education without paying anywhere near that for pennies. All right, Jim, thank you. Be well. 